All right, Kev. We got a amazing show going into the week of the fifth major that's being played first of the year. But before we get to all that, I cannot believe that we have bagged a second guest in two weeks. Like you said, I'm excited to bring on uh, another guest this week. I think that we are really um, inspiring a lot of people. You know, I don't want to speak too boldly here, but um, I, I talked with one of my friends today who even we listening to our pod has inspired him to start his own podcast. Um, so really, you know, making, making, uh, having some influence, I think. But like you said, yeah, uh, I think. I don't want to say people were getting tired of listening to just me and you only, but uh, I think it's nice to add a third person, kind of, uh, you know, mix it up a little bit and uh, and see what we got. So, yeah, excited for sure. Yeah, I'd say we've been I've been asked a few times, like, what do I got to do to get on? And we have a pattern. Last week, you had to marry Kev's sister. And this week, you have to marry me. So that introduces <laughs> our first guest or our second guest, our first guest of the night. Uh, my lovely wife a member of the pool, a newly found golf enthusiast, which we will get into, but the one, the only, Katie. Katie. You're using the word enthusiastic, enthusiasm very liberally there. I'm tolerating golf at a higher level than I used to not tolerate it. (laughs) You know, you can slow play it if you want, but (laughs) objectively tell the world your journey with golf which probably started upon meeting me and I'll sort of intro it with this story. One of the first times I was over Katie's apartment when we first met, uh, I think it was coming <laughs> I close. Know story you're gonna tell. Yeah. I, it was coming close to the moving out process. And I think we were starting to just get stuff organized and she uh, hands me this golf club and is like, I was at some event. I got this club. Like, should I just toss it or do you want it? brand new milled Callaway 56 that, that she had not touched that was still in the plastic. And I'm sitting there like wide eyed, like, yeah, I will. I'll make use of this. You, you didn't know you had a $200 club in your closet sitting here collecting dust. Um, so that's where we started. But, you know, from there, where are we now in your golf journey? Yeah, my golf journey started way before Eddie. He likes to think he's the only man in my life that ever loved golf, but my uncle is like the biggest golf guy ever. And he had me, I was going to use the word made me, but made me probably is more accurate caddy for him one summer. And it was so miserable and awful and horrendous that I was like, I fucking hate this sport so much. It's so pointless. And it starts, I have, I have so many issues with like women's golf attire it is so uncomfortable and unflattering. And I think it starts there with like, you are like sweltering heat with like cropped pants and a boxy polo. No one's cute in golf outfits when they're girls. So I had to wear this like all summer caddying for him. You know, I'm a sweater, Eddie. Like it was not a cute scene. So it started there, but then obviously Eddie, and I go to a ton of golf tournaments for like work. They give like, what were the cleats oh, I got? She's, Eddie? she's played in the charity classic and has, Oh, it's another thing she just got from a golf tournament was like $170 foot joy shoes that I'm now wearing as <laughs> on my feet again, five years later. Yeah. So that I, I can actually, I can speak on that one because the, the, I did not know the club story, which is great to hear, but I heard the, the, the shoes story more recently was Ed prefaced it by because I noticed he was wearing like some yeah I was like oh did you get some new golf shoes and he, get, he goes 
this is another thing that happens in my house, by the way. And that was the intro to the story. <laughs> so like, he's like, so I'm going in my closet and I'm just like, what are these? Like, <laughs> just finding all this golf equipment. I mean, that, that's not, that never happens in my house. <laughs> There's a benefit to me wearing a men's 13. <laughs> is Eddie can wear all the, all the assets or all the gear. But like, Kevin, here's a story you've never heard. So again, like Eddie's saying, like charity golf classic, the CBS charity classic. So I've golfed in that for like five years because I was on the CBS team for Coca-Cola. We have a foursome every year. It never gets filled, all this stuff. But the first year I showed up in a dress and like heels because I thought I just had a ticket and someone was like, no, you're golfing. And I was like, wait, what? And so I'm like in this work dress and no one had shoes and I golfed barefoot barefoot at the charity CVS charity golf classic and Eddie, where the heck was it? It was like some nice course in Rhode Island. Yeah. Quidnessic country club, which is. Yeah. And it was raining. Like what a buffoonery is this? And then I go to dinner that night and I'm next to Bubba Watson. Bubba Watson. Is that his name? Yeah. And who's the other guy? That's the big guy for the charity classic. Brad Faxon, Billy Android. Faxon. So I had dinner next to both of them and I'm telling them how I golfed barefoot. <laughs> and they're like, who is this idiot? <laughs> I bet they love that. <laughs> oh my God. So then when we got married, one of my like little gifts to Eddie, besides, you know, letting him live with me for the rest of his life and taking his last name That's was I said I would take golf lessons with him. So we bought a package of golf lessons because my mom had bought Eddie golf lessons for Christmas which is a hint to your game, Eddie, if my mom thinks it's shit. But, and so then I was like, okay, I'll join you. I'll buy my own package. I'll get into it. (sighs) No, thank you. First of all, it is ridiculous how many hours men spend trying to be better at this game, making a half of a fraction of a decimal point better every year. It's infuriating. I was like, I just don't like to do things I'm not good at. So another what thing was I can the, yeah, unpack. what was the dynamic like of the so you guys took a you, you, you took lessons together at the same time? Yeah. So it was at yeah. golf tech and okay. it was in one of the bays. So it's like dig it's like digital golf is what I right. call it. Which I love because then you can like actually assess and like see the flight of the ball and see the things you have to and then it's sucky to translate it onto the course where you have I have no idea what I'm doing and how to adjust it and like I can't even find my ball in the air and on the ground let alone like I need the digital tracker Mm, interesting but I mean it was just me hitting for 30 minutes and this poor guy trying to be complimentary of my bullshit game and then Eddie just like laughing behind me then Eddie getting up and like crushing it and I'd sit on my phone on Instagram and like edit photos (laughs) that was the dynamic Katie what about your golf fandom because I know when we started, just to, uh, this is what I'm getting at. When we started, I've I've watched the same amount of golf, um, our whole relationship. You've tolerated it more and more and more, starting out at zero to now sort of, I'd say, you know, I'll, I'll use the word liking it very loosely. But more than zero. Yeah, more than zero. Like, so why, why hating it at first, what are some of the factors that actually got you to stand it slash enjoy parts of it well i think you first have to look up stockholm syndrome because yeah. that's, oh, no gosh. i'm just teasing you i'm teasing you exposure um, therapy wore <laughs> <laughs> me down with water torture um i feel like i don't know it's a tough i, re- I mean if i'm being really honest eddie it's like it really is just exposure therapy if it's gonna be on and it's 
because you guys know Eddie, like he doesn't absorb sports at like an appropriate amount. It's not like a reasonable amount. We're not watching the Sunday afternoon golf when it matters. We're watching pre-qualifiers Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like we're watching everything. So it's like, I can watch Sunday afternoon golf. I could even tune in for a couple hours on Saturday, but like 56 hours on the weekend of golf is just like too much. But I'm like, if I'm going to have to watch it, I might as well know the people like what's going on. But my fandom is like 1% with the golfers and like 99% with what they're doing outside of the course. Like I love following their wives on Instagram, like what they're wearing, who they're sponsored by. Like I'm a marketer, how are the marketers using them? And so then when the documentary came out for Netflix, I was like two hands up all in. I like was obsessed with learning them, learning about them off the course. I think that's the most interesting part about golf and they don't do enough about it. Every other athlete, you know, a ton about them off the course or like the court or the field or whatever. They don't really have that piece for golf. Yeah. I was surprised recently to see you like actually start rooting for certain people. That was a, uh, to even, first of all, to just to know people is, is one thing. Um, I know we have a running joke. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas look pretty okay. much alike. Kevin, I, do they I, not look identical to you? Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Their faces are very similar. Um, <laughs> I guess like their Spieth is a little like stockier, I guess. Like Justin yeah. Thomas was always like very like thin, you know, but yeah. Um, but yeah, they, and that was another interesting piece. Like there's a couple uh, people, you know, in that documentary, they talked a lot about them being friends. And I think that was like a new, to Katie's point about how they, you know, you want to know about their lives off the court course. You know, I think that was like new information to a lot of people that are like, you yeah, know, oh, like these guys were friends and like grew up together. And, and you want to hear more about the history of that. Whereas, and like, like seeing their dynamic and like, these guys are taking a PJ to like a practice course and back. And then like yeah. Tony Finau's traveling with his circus of children and like, just it's so much stuff for golf to be such a mental game, all the stuff going on outside of it, you have to tune it out or learn like that stuff's part of the game more than any other sport. And they don't like highlight it. Exactly. And I think I, I liked a, a couple of your points. The first one I'll talk about is Eddie's sport, uh, sports watching, watching ability. And <laughs> so I was I had a, a friend over the other day. He's actually uh, somebody we've tried to get on the pod is our, our good friend, Scott, that who, Katie, you know, as well, and who we've been friends with for a long time. But we, we went out for a drink afterwards and we were talking about, you know, the pool and the pod and all this kind of stuff. But I had made the comment that Eddie made a comment to me recently that he doesn't watch as much sports as he used to and in my head i was like well if that like if that's true like what did you used to do because i don't know like, <laughs> and, like i don't think i have ever informed eddie about something about sports that he didn't already know yeah. like literally any sport so that's so that's the first thing and and the second thing is, is i like that you touched on the, the marketing piece about golf because i think i was watching the news this morning and they were talking about this this new class that that, that someone was teaching i don't even know at what school it was at but it was about like building your social media platform and, and they have a whole class about like becoming an influencer and gaining followers and at first glance i was like uh you know like you're kind of turned off to that stuff because i think yeah. if it's just about gaining popularity and views and followers at its core then it seems like kind of fake and, and and whatever but but from a business aspect like that like having a, a following it is valuable and I, and 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 i think that like like the marketing piece and, and what these guys kind of choose to represent themselves as as a from a business standpoint is is really interesting as well 
It totally is. And it used to be this build it and they will come mentality. And that's what made things so organic and real and authentic. And now it's people are starting with the end in mind. Like I need 10 million followers. So then I can become relevant, but usually it's the other way around. You should be relevant thereby getting 10 million followers, thereby having this like authentic presence. But I don't know. It's interesting. Eddie watching less sports is comical. That's that's a real thing. And I'll tell you the actual material difference. And this, you know, this does not paint me in a great light. So I'm just going to go out and be honest about myself on national, national. Be vulnerable for me, baby. Let's go. How about about we call it very local airwaves right here? But (laughs) I think that means instead of watching every single NBA game that is played in the league, it's like down to like a few Celtics games in the regular season and then most of the playoffs games. But before it was like, you know, if the Magic are playing the Rockets on like primetime TNT, like I'm into that and then I'm into the Blazers and Nuggets after that and, you know, everything like that. We watch every football game. Football, I will say, is still like that, but I'd call that a normal male pattern. Like I think football is just king. The golf fandom, I think, is way above average, but I think I'm actually sort of like a like above average football fan, not a crazy football fan. I'm a crazy golf fan. Kevin, is it normal for a normal football fan to watch every minute of every game? It kind of is. I think, yeah, it's normal for me. I I do it as well. I don't know if Ed and I are the norm. Ed, I think Ed watches more than I do probably, but, uh, but yeah, I watch usually if if nobody stops me, like someone's got to stop me or I'm going to watch from like one to 11. I will invite myself over. I'm happy to help stop you. I help stop it. This is not a cry for help or anything, but (laughs) if no one stops me, I will go from one to to 11. It also, I was laughing when you said that you've never broken any sports news to Eddie because (laughs) I have recently broken three or four stories to Eddie, like like three in the morning and like, be like, oh no, they're all fake news. Uh, I'll say something to him and he'll go, Uh, that's a fake rumor. And I'm like, wait, what? Or he's like, there's yeah. no way because if that was real, I'd already know about it. And I, it's not real. They're fake. It's like fake internet stuff. And I'm like, Jesus, he knows even the fake news, not even the real news. I have a great example. Like she she woke me up or we both were up for some reason. And she was like, oh my God, my boss just said John Morant got suspended for the season. And context, I was like- Context, we signed Ja for Powerade. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on the airwaves, so everyone just keep that confidential. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Two or three listeners out there, keep that confidential. But my my point of that comment was like, don't you think I would have heard about that if it was out? Like, (laughs) it's just not, it's not a piece of news that I would have missed. Um, I don't want to. He's not suspended. (laughs) I don't want to shine the spotlight away from me. But I do want to try to go off script here. And I didn't drop this on either one of you, but I think we have a chance for like a little intersection of Katie, your expertise and like current news that's happening in golf. And Katie, me and you have talked about this a little bit, but I do want to know, and and just to give the background and sort of like, I guess a half breaking news segment, half like market analysis coming up. The PGA has announced that they are changing their format next year to make what are now these designated events this current year, limited field and no cut. They've also announced that they're going to eliminate the match play championship and substitute that with either uh, another regular event or another designated event. Uh, And the comment that I wanted to focus on came from Rory McIlroy, who said that this is like a necessary step for the PGA because in order for sponsors to pay more money to players, they have to know 
certain players will be around for the weekend. Thus, like thus making the the cut be eliminated by the PGA to appease these sponsors to pay more money. Katie, my question to you in someone that's in marketing and in branding is a, is there one golfer that if they got cut kills the weekend um, right now, I guess that you know of and B why can't they market to just the sport um, being like elite, elite golfers. There are a ton of them, but they're also like, it should be some attractiveness in my opinion to the 200th best golfer is still good enough to win tournaments too. Like, isn't that sport in that aspect, like marketable in of itself enough? You're, to... you're going to hate me because that was just a lot. And I did not keep track of all of that. So we have to go one by one, a golfer yeah. that would ruin the weekend by not making the cut. That's a Kevin question. That's not even a me question. I do not give a fuck. Yeah. I guess <laughs> I just. So I'm glad that you brought because I wanted to ask Katie about this topic as well. So first of all, I think the reason they did this was to try. It's kind of like tending towards a little bit of what Liv is doing, but basically trying to get more big names. And I think the PGA Tour in general is just trying to recruit more casual fans. So I think, Katie, you said that you guys had discussed this a little bit already, or maybe I'm wrong about that, but did you, like, because this was, like, big news in the golf world, but I'm curious, like, did did you even know that, like, this came about today or yesterday, or was this not, like, a, like something that uh, came across your radar? Kind of. In theory, and I won't even get into it, Eddie, because I know it frustrated you, but, like, I was, like, coming up with my own game plan. I was like, oh, they shouldn't. Like, my thing is, I don't think they should not have a cut because for me now, I'm not an avid fan. I'm like a casual fan. I love the underdog. So I love when like a non-ranked player or something like that could potentially win a tournament. So to me, they're taking that right out of it and they're just having the best play amongst the best. And I think it's absolute bullshit what Rory said. He's coming from a place where he knows he'll get paid if this goes through, but what about like, what is it, Eddie, the 70, 70 golfers are the ones that golf. So what about the the 71st, 75th, the 80th best, the hundredth best, like they aren't getting paid. And so they don't even have an opportunity to make money. And so in that sense, I just feel like it's like rich people feeding rich people, more rich people things. And when you're talking about like a small group like that, worry is going to make it sound like it's benefiting everybody and it's benefiting the sport. It's not, it's getting the paid players paid more. I swear to God, it's like the rich people not paying taxes. Like that's what it feels like to me. Like, all right, Eddie, we, don't give me that face, but we, it's just, it's just, it's just benefiting the elite. Right. And it's like, I don't yeah. see how that's benefiting the sport so at all. I, I almost see both sides of that argument. Why promoting more superstars benefits the sport in general um, because I think like using Tiger Woods as the ultimate example, like one, one ultra superstar can carry your, um, your league, your sport more than I think like just elite skill can, um, in general and without getting into like the nitty gritty of the golf that Kev, I'm sure me and you will do when Katie jumps off that you hit on exactly what I was talking about. Like, why don't, uh, like a sponsor, like your employer, for example, or MasterCard or whoever's sponsoring their tournaments, why why won't they put their money up the same for that underdog story or for the potential of that underdog story as they would the superstar like i just don't understand well it's an R- it's it's just roi and exposure right so you're going to okay. i guess wait, so like, it's I, like roulette, I have one right? more thing to specify yeah like, but i, I can't just keep don't... track of all your questions this is the last thing 
my like so if they have a cut you're in you're basically allowing for two scenarios either somebody somebody very famous and very good will win or yeah. somebody that shouldn't win will win and yeah. i think both of those should be attractive to sponsors that that's just that's what i meant yeah so the the issue of sponsorship it's not done like weekend by weekend right it's done annually so you're putting your money you're betting on a player essentially and that they're going to have a successful season or like really great exposure so for instance, you're seeing people in college athletes that aren't great athletes, but are hot or have a good following or like interesting. And they're getting NIL contracts up the wazoo has nothing to do with talent, just influence, exposure, entertainment value, et cetera. So like you could have a player like that, that if they're, if they've branded themselves well, then a, a, a company would invest. Right. But it's all about, it's all about ROI. So how much exposure does this player have, whether it's for their sport or socially and entertainment wise to the mass public. So that when we insert our brand or they get seen drinking our drink, or they get seen wearing our clothing, like it's exposed to the most number of people. I guess they won't put put up millions and millions and millions of dollars unless they're guaranteed, um, you know, Rory McIlroy and John Rahm. This is what's not adding up for me though. It's like, that's cool to talk about, but if you're like, when we sit down and we evaluate players, it's all going to have a return on your investment. So I'm unclear as to why AT&T would players. be, I don't listen to me. Oh. I would, <laughs> this is truly candid. <laughs> Shut the fuck up for two seconds. Yeah. Like why would AT&T be incentivized if they were previously putting up $10 million to now put up $20 million? Something has to change for them to get that $10 million back plus 20%. Like that, like it doesn't matter if Rory is in the top 10 or what, what's making AT&T more money from that tournament. And like, I don't understand where that ROI comes from. Like it's gotta be, but so then in theory, it's gotta be more TV money and the, the TV money goes up because you know, you're going to have better athletes playing. Like that's the trickle down effect. Would you watch more? Like you're already watching all the golf. You yeah, can't but possibly watch not, more golf. For me and Kev. I don't think they're, 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 they like, they're definitely it? looking for the casual viewer, I think. Oh, so I guess if they're looking at, so then if you're looking at like incrementality, so this is sort of what we're talking about with like the Netflix documentary, right? You were a little disappointed by it because it didn't go into the golf enough. And I was like, yeah, but they're not talking to the crazed golf fan. They're trying to get the casual fan to become more interested in golf. So in that sense, that's probably what they are doing, right? Is they're trying to get the casual fan more into the big names. So then incremental yeah. viewers tune in versus the same viewers just watching for longer. Or the same viewers for watching the whole time. Almost like unique like page hits. I'm boring myself with this, but yeah. <laughs> yeah if you're still listening to the if you're still listening to the podcast, I apologize. <laughs> But that's what, yeah. So no, I, I think I think it's a good point. Enough. I think it's a good point because there's a lot of um, it, it's just different because from a it, from, with the cut aspect, like I and trying to build like more casual fans. I understand it. I just don't know. I don't know what the right answer is because I I Katie, you said yourself that you like a, an underdog story, right? And I don't know, but I don't know if that. With the cut, like you get the opportunity to have these guys who are not like the super rich or the super like ultra talent, especially in these like weaker fields to play and even contend in these tournaments like down the stretch. And I don't know if like we necessarily have to like monetize that or like market it because like you said, it is like the businesses aren't interested 
in marketing that because who's to say like to, in order for them to pick the next guy who it's going to be like it's a one in a million shot right like there's a, there's a million other guys out there that that it could be but i think that's part of what draws eyeballs right so i think it's two different things like you said i understand from the standpoint of doing no cut and having like four a set field four days where the, you you know who you're getting and and you know how much tv exposure you're getting i understand that from from a business perspective but I will miss, um, and, and that's not to say that all these like no cut events are completely going away because there still will be some cut events and some no cut events. But I, I think it can be separated, right? Like I think that the the underdog story can can draw some like casual fans in, and and I can understand like the other side from a marketing perspective as well. I think it almost feels like it should be an invitational. It shouldn't be who the top 70 golfers in or any moment. It should be who's the most popular or who's doing the most. So then it because if you're really trying to brand it that way, it becomes, you know, tournaments by invitation only and it gives them more leeway that way. Yeah, I think it's going to be really awkward next year. Like like what if Tiger Woods wants to play in the players and he's not, you know, one right. of the top 70 golfers? Like is the PGA going to say we're we're going to ditch these ratings for this week. No, they're going to move the goalpost and change their rules again. Like they have been for the last three months to friggin' suffice. Yeah. Now you're getting up my alley and yeah. you're getting up my alley. I have a big rant designed for like the more golf portion <laughs> of this, um, but before we let you go, Katie, give me your favorite and your least favorite golfer. Oh, Tony Finau has my heart. He's such a hunky, hunky man. And I don't even think he's that good at golf, but I would watch him all day. Uh, my least favorite golfer, Eddie. Oh, yeah. the one, the one that cheats. Oh, P. Reed? Fatty. Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed, the fatty, the fatty cheater. <laughs> uh, get get a life. Does anyone love himself more? He's maybe uh, Tiger. Maybe Tiger Wood, but he's his earned wife. it. So. <laughs> Pat Reed's wife is a big fan of Pat Reed. If you know that, Although, also might, Katie, you might you might have a uh, defamation lawsuit coming your way. That's if right. Speak, <laughs> if you're going to speak poorly of him on the public you, airways, you, you just got served on Christmas Eve, right there. <laughs> he did what? He um. There's this big thing that he he's part of like uh, a bunch of lawsuits against basically every golf pundit for defamation of his character for calling him a cheater that... and like, all these other things. Is just, hilarious. Yeah, it's um, it's unbelievable. But would you he, be um, a bigger pussy with a capital P? He, Seriously, it's, it's, like it's pretty soft. Take a, it's pretty take soft. a joke, and also you cheat. So maybe but don't cheat. Everybody, everybody said that that's a real golfer that got served with this lawsuit. Said they got served like on the holiday, like either on Christmas <laughs> or on New Year's Eve or at their vacation house. And there's there's a story about them trying to serve Tiger. And his security guard just being like, no, nah, Tiger's not home, man. You got to go. Yeah. Like, just for three days straight. Tiger's uh, actually currently getting serviced, so he cannot come uh, and get served. Hey, hey, don't tell hey, um, The jokes right write themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. But, yeah, you you unfortunately just got us served. Um, great. Right. Any, uh, any last thoughts? Edit me out. I'm good. This okay. was just the best 20 minutes of my entire year. March awesome. 6th. We're only three, we're two and a half months in. It was just the best evening. Stamp it. Ours already well. already uh, confirmed. Best night of 2023. <laughs> <laughs> I've enjoyed I've enjoyed our thruple immensely. I look forward to our next date. All right. Good luck this week. Uh, Toodles, and gentlemen. going forward as well. One of the one of the oh, yeah, top, in, so. top eight, top nine. Look at me. No golf knowledge. Oh, Slide right. right in there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. 
Bye, all right. Katie. Thank you. Yep. Love you. you guys. Toodles. All right. We're back. That was a, uh, that was an exhilarating chat uh, with my better half. Um, and I want to keep it going uh, because I have strong thoughts on this PGA sort of reform that's happening next year with the no cuts uh, designated events and the elimination of the match play. And um, as I sort of alluded to, I really do understand it from a, uh, like, you know, a strategy point to grow the league because you want to, it's, a, I think it's a sports in general, maybe a superstar driven industry. And the more, the more you see of these guys, the more money that will hopefully go into the sport. And that's always good. My big issue comes um, because this is live golf. This is live golf on the PGA, uh, obviously four rounds instead of three here, but everything that the PGA was saying for months and months and months while Liv was being rumored and eventually started to diminish it, they're now doing uh, in terms of it being a, a superstar driven league where the names don't have to earn their keep anymore. Um, they were complaining specifically about the no cuts at some point, you know, ruining the competition and all of that. And it just makes to me some of that look so hypocritical now. Um, and I, I applaud the top players for using the leverage that Liv created to put more money into their pockets specifically, but also into the game as well. Like it will help others, but it will help the best players in the world the most. Um, so I just feel like some of that, that high, that high ground, that competitive high moral ground they were on a few months ago, like, you know, a year ago when Liv was being formed has sort of eroded a little bit. And that's where my big gripe is with the whole, the whole reform. Yeah, it um, it makes you kind of think that the PGA Tour, you know, came out and and they have a lot of strong opinions about Liv, obviously. Like, if you look at any of the guys who went over there, they have taken their names out. Like, if you look at any of the history of the tournaments, any Liv guys or, or, or whoever it may be who have, like, success and 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 one events they just take that they act like they don't even exist anymore, we'll get we'll is, get to one this week yeah which is crazy um but for i think i think you're right 100 percent because for them to lean so hard on the the competition and the cut aspect and and history and and tradition and then to come out and and make these changes, it shows that I think they, they really are nervous that they're, they're losing a little something. And I don't, I don't, I understand that maybe last year, I, I could see why that would have been maybe last year. I don't know when they decided to make these changes, honestly, but uh, last year I could see when the live was, was like first taking off um, and they were signing all these big names like in spring and summer of last year you know, it really felt like they had some some strong momentum and, and like it was going to really take off and, and be something that the PGA Tour really did have to worry about, you know, some serious competition. But now, it I don't know, it feels like um, Liv has sort of like taken a little backseat and, and the PGA Tour, I, I thought, had something like, like you mentioned, I, I really love these designated events and these like these great feels that we've been getting. Um, I just... And I don't know. I don't know if this is as big of a deal as maybe we're making it in the moment. These these no cut events, but um, but yeah, to get to, to have them like sort of pander and, and kind of go in that direction for me was a little disappointing to see. I think. Yeah, and I feel like the good players aren't getting cut in these designated events at all. I mean, like Morikawa missed last week, but like, did the tournament feel different without him? It really didn't because the big names were still at the top. And I think um, I saw 
Eddie Pepperell from the, the European tour had a great tweet thread about what he thinks this does to live. And he sort of thinks this gives them like their only chance to sort of survive uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, the, the big thing uh, for those that that were thinking about going to live, one of the big aspects was not being able to qualify for majors anymore because you're not going to get these points that will you know raise you in the world rankings to get you into the U.S. Open, the Masters, et cetera, et cetera. Now, like all these strong fielded events that the PGA was using as sort of a discredit to live that they don't they don't deserve points because they don't have a cut and they have a weak field. Now, the the strong fields on the PGA are not going to have a cut, just like the live events. So it's sort of hard for a world ranking organization to give only the PGA points or, you know, give them more points for their events without a cut or with a cut going forward as it would be to live. And now, you know, if these guys don't have to worry about qualifying for majors, if they get points winning live tournaments, you're going to see a lot more people go over, um, especially and this sort of gets into a second point is the European guys that are play mostly on the European tour that may be. Uh, you know, excellent golfers that may be just outside that top 70 because they don't play on the PGA tour enough. Like now a lot of their incentive again to stay on the PGA tour is taken away. If, you know, they can't compete for the big money anymore in these events um, that, you know, obviously financially there's an incentive, but now if the, if the ranking points don't line up, like the European tour will just send dudes over there. And he used Thomas Peters as an example who, you know, was 34th in the world rankings, but in the FedEx Cup was way outside the top, you know, the top rankings because he wasn't playing PGA Tour events. And then he's not getting invites to the Genesis and to the players, um, and he can't compete for these $20 million purses. Um, and, you know, he's not a big name, but he's got a lot of game, that kid. So, like, losing actual good players could eventually lead to losing good players who are also big names. Um, and, and to your point, like, I thought this year was awesome. I thought the PGA was just going to slam the door and be like, we're a superior product. Everything's going according to plan. Like, why would you watch this other tour if we're doing it so good? And this, it like, just makes it interesting again. It keeps living the news. It makes it interesting. It gives them a little bit of a pulse. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't, I, just the timing of it seems really weird and off to me, but yeah, one of my favorite things and this is probably something who's on, that's like only specific to people who really are interested in golf, especially like the betting aspect or like our pool, like survivor pool aspect, but is the cut because like the, the most exciting time is I think the cut sweat is like a real, it provides a really interesting and unique piece to golf like that Friday afternoon um, where you're rooting for like your guys. But, but even if you're like, now that you're down, we're down in this pool to like, you know, the top 10 or less, you also find yourself rooting against people because you can kind of pick and choose like, oh, I hope that this guy doesn't make the cut because I know someone else has him. So it's just an interesting um, piece to it from that standpoint. Um, and, and again, it's not that it's completely going away, but um, yeah, I just, I don't know. It just felt, it felt like really weird timing that they came out with this and um and I don't know. I just, I hope, I don't, I, like I said, I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal next year when we come around to it. But I also don't think that it's going to draw more eyeballs or like the casual fan. Like, is someone gonna, like, like to your point, the, the elevated events just do it. Like, these fields that we're getting already get the players there that you would want to get there. And they have to earn, like, they have to actually play like 
at least their like B or C game. Like we saw, I mean, Rory seems to like play his C game every like Thursday and Friday and still yeah. make the cut. Yeah, and then try to make the cut and then lose by a stroke like every tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but but they should have to do that, I think. And and I think it's almost more it can be a bit of a story as well when a big name player like that misses the cut because you're yeah. like not even though you, like, you didn't have them there but it's like oh like is their game kind of fading you know it just provides yeah. an interesting like talking piece there as well where somebody i was listening to something today and they compared it now like the no cut events feel kind of like an nba regular season game where like okay yeah. i'm gonna turn tune in to the last five minutes Right. But this doesn't really matter that much, and I only need to see, like, the last couple hours on Sunday. And that's that's kind of unfortunate, I think. Other than, like, the guaranteed money that obviously comes with getting in these events, which is why, again, I think it just sort of suits the top players. But if John Rahm goes out and shoots 10 over on the first two days, not that that will ever happen, but if he goes and shoots 10 over on the first two days and misses the cut versus 10 over on the first two days and finishes 20 strokes out of first place on Sunday... What is the difference there? I just don't get it. The only difference is now he gets to get paid, which is, again, why I think it's just sort of a hypocritical, selfish, but very, very smart move by the top players in the game to to make this move and use this leverage uh, in their favor. Because now, you know, they can hypothetically, you know, give it a strong run uh, until they realize they don't have their A game and then just, you know crack a beer and play a couple rounds with your buddies the next two days and chill and get yeah that's that's what i think i think that's a great point by you because i think that's what it feels like it feels like the like a player's like leverage play and not um an attempt for the pga tour to really like try to draw more fans i think the i think too like the pga needs to make a better effort to try to draw in some more like money I, I, and this is kind of like from a selfish perspective because i'm already in this category but like the pga tour has like a, ver- a very probably small in, in numbers aspect but very interested fan fan base from like the, the betting perspective so to try i think there's a, there's an uh, an opportunity there to try to grow that piece like from a financial standpoint so like if you can make your product better from a viewing standpoint from a like put a camera have some kind of option where like as a player you can pick which guy you want to watch especially on like the friday cut day uh where you can just watch that person because we talked about it last week like playing when we when we when you play those um draft games like you know captain showdown on sunday one of the main draws is because like when you're playing your guys in a pool of like 15 to 20 guys when they cut to somebody on TV, you're like, oh, that's my guy. Yes. Oh, that's my guy. Like, yeah, like you're actually watching your player play. And so th- there needs to be like a better product from a viewership um, standpoint where like you can watch your guy that you are invested in and have put money on or I picked in a survivor pool or something like that. So, yeah, this this just feels like a more like the like the PGA Tour players, the best of the best sat down and said, like, you know, what what's to stop us from leaving? Yeah. Like, you want to stay here, but like you better give us more right. money, which is, which is very good for them. And frankly, like this will this will I'll touch on this more when we get into the players in a second. But the technology should, in my opinion, and I guess if I were to if I were to be asked how to fix this, my first answer would be do this year again. I, I just this schedule as it is right now again. My second piece of advice would be take this money 
and put it on a camera on every single golfer or every single hole the entire time and make this maybe smaller fan base, but I'd say more loyal and more rabid. And I, I just don't know a lot of NBA guys that that love the NBA that spend $2,500 on equipment to go play basketball. Like the golf fan buys a lot and invests in the game and spends a lot of money in their interest in the sport. So cater to them and make them more rabid and more interested in your product and make them spend even more money by getting them even more into it versus trying to get casuals that aren't going to reinvest in the business of golf would be my fix. And they're doing it this weekend. They have the freaking money to do this. So like, what are we doing? Right, right, exactly. And, and that, that's what it means to be. I think that, that that would be a huge success. Like I, I would spend that money, whatever the, if it was a subscription and oh whatever it happens to be to pay yeah. that money, I, I would pay it. In a second. Yeah. Like, how is that not a big pool of money? Like, I know they have ESPN Plus, but to your point, like any subscription service, any even moderate golf fan is just, I think, way more loyal than any other moderate fan of that sport. So missing an opportunity. But that was a lot on that. Um, I don't, with with as much time spent as we just did, I want to breeze through the uh, the Arnold if we can. And my two points are just, you know, Justin Thomas missing the cut. Not a great call by me at six and a half to one. So we're going to take that one right on the chin, but Ryan Fox top 20, if you bet it five and a half to one. So I sort of broke even on the weekend. Nobody hit the winner. Um, I think I sort of talked about it, but Rory McIlroy, if he just did anything other than skate through Thursday, Friday, like I feel like he just coasts to a win. Um, there were a lot of birdie putts that he had, especially Thursday and Friday as somebody who's invested in him that he just breezed by the edge. One more of those, he wins. I think he was the best player that weekend. So that's sort of my quick, very quick takeaway from the Arnold before we get to the uh, the players. Got yeah, a lot of different, um, so really interesting week. A lot of ups and downs. Like uh, JT had a great day. I think it was Friday. One of the days he went six five, under. Yeah, five or six under. Um, and then I, yeah, it, it was hard for anybody to have like continued sustained success. Like people were saying John Rom was gonna win again, of course, after Thursday. He goes and like shoots first time leader and just looked like more of the same. And then shoots over par both on Saturday, uh, Friday and Saturday. So um real really interesting week, like stacked leaderboard going at, like at the end on Sunday, but I don't know, just really interesting. Like Kiriyama obviously never felt I, I it felt like he was done at a certain like sometime. Triple, like, right? maybe, I thought yeah. it was that was that was it. Yeah. So I mean credit to him, like being able to hold on and then holding off and, and finishing it um on the last hole there. But um yeah, really, really interesting tournament. Like it was so so crazy to me because Rory there were there were so few times where you felt like he was like playing his game that we know like we're capable of but still like to see him in contention at the end is it's just amazing like i i i don't understand how he is able to just sort of do that really like i i watched a good amount of his his rounds because as you said like i, I was invested in him personally i wanted him to make the cut and i wanted and i i enjoy seeing him win like i want him yeah. to get a win here on the PGA tour 
like before going, I wanted him to get a win before going into the majors because I think that would just like create a lot of buzz and a lot of hype around the sport. Um, so I was almost shocked to see him like up towards the top of the leaderboard, like watching his game. It looked like it was so far below like what he is capable of doing. So I, I just thought I found that interesting as well. Dude, he's I, you know, he he gets under my skin and he annoys me for some of the press stuff, but he's he's the best right now. Like, you know, Rom is obviously, I think, on a different plane. We'll just put him separate. But like Rory, for me, you, you said it best, never played good and you know, missed made the cut by a stroke or two strokes, and then um, you know, always seems to contend. He just doesn't make putts. Like he just I don't know how to describe it other than that. Like he just doesn't make easy birdie putts on Thursday and Friday. Um, and then on the weekend, you know, bombs, you know, drop some 25, 30 footers in for birdie, but man, he had some really, really easy ones. Um, in the first two days of that tournament and just didn't make anything. It's tough. All right, dude, onto the, onto the players, the fifth major, as it's uh, more affectionately known at TPC Sawgrass, uh, a Pete Dye track par 72, 7,245 yards. Um, I know this is a race from the history books, but last year's winner, Cam Smith, will not be playing in this tournament, has been rumored to be attending this tournament as a spectator because he does live very close nearby. Um, but the defending champ won't be here. And the theme that I'm reading and sort of the theme for this week is total volatility for me. I don't really know. I, I haven't seen a correlation between... Uh, anything really to win this tournament you can do it so many different ways you can do it with distance you can knock it around and, and sort of course manage um it's just you know who makes the who makes the most putts and i think more importantly who avoids some of the big numbers with uh the challenges that this course does does present yeah it's been um great to see some of these uh you know really difficult florida courses we had the we had the honda at uh, PGM National, and then obviously last week at the uh, Arnold Palmer Bay Hill, like these these courses are playing super tough, just super uh, firm and fast, and and so much water in play, and that's another big piece of this week. Obviously, like the iconic 17th hole with the Island Green, just so much history. Great, um, you know, more famous like Tiger Woods, uh, a couple fake famous Tiger Woods moments there, um, but just draws a lot of like attention and viewership, I think, and, and, and just sort of hype around that, which is uh, great as well. But yeah, it's normally like coming into this event, like in previous years, I, the way I remember it at least is that it's like, like you said, like the fifth major, it's like almost like a, a relief to get to this tournament because you're used to not being able to see some of these like elevated fields and, and to credit to the PGA, like have, have produced great fields like this almost leading up to the, um to this event so it feels like almost for the first time it, i i won't want to say i'm like not as excited for the players as i normally am but it feels like almost like more the same like okay we've done this like kind of type field before and it feels like we know what to expect now and 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 i almost appreciate it because now we've gotten to see these guys play so much and i feel like we have so much um form to take into account so that, so that's been one good thing to see as well yeah yeah, it is a great field. And now, like I think you were sort of alluding to it, I think we have a pretty big sample size on most of the big players in in all these events because they've all been there and they've all you know been playing on an even playing field. And and I think we know what some of these guys are about at this point. Um, but when I'm looking at sort of who I'm going to be favoring, uh, 
the stats that matter to me are, are going to be second shots into the green for one. And then sort of, uh, I, I alluded to it earlier, like, like the least amount of volatility I can find, meaning like guys who avoid big numbers at all costs. Um, and that sort of ties into my third point this week, which is going to be, I'm going to be paying pretty close attention to uh, the weather report. Um, I, I know last year wind was a big factor. Uh, tournament ended up finishing on Monday because of some weather and some strong wind. And uh, if I remember correctly, very much influenced the cut because you had guys, you know, trying to play the 17th Island green into a, you know, gale force wind and, and making, you know, sevens, eights uh, and shooting them out of the tournament. Um, so I don't know if you're seeing it the same way, uh, but, but what do you think is going to correlate to some success? Yeah, that, um, great stuff. So we are looking again, like at the weather being another factor, like it was last week, it was kind of nice to see um, that come into play a little bit. I heard the announcer say, I was watching a little bit of the Arnold Palmer talking about um, the wind being an issue, but they, they were talking about the wind there being very variable in that, like, if it's a consistent 15 mile an hour wind, like in the same direction, the players can almost deal with that better as opposed to like a 20 mile an hour versus a five mile an hour, like it going up and down really was messing with these guys quite a bit um, in that tournament. So that's interesting. It's one of the things you want to kind of pay attention to. And I think we did see an advantage. I forget, I'm forgetting now what it was, but I think it was like on the first day PM to AM, right? Like we saw Rory yes. have that um, set yes. up. We saw a couple guys able to take advantage of that. Right. And I think like the less, the less of the shittier days, like if that makes sense, like the, the, the least stormy wind versus like the, the worst calm wind, I think exactly. was the point. I, I think a lot of times if you're looking at that kind of stuff, there's, there can be too you know, too much stock put into it, but I, I think it's worth taking a look at because I think we did see it kind of play out this week like that. And, you know, I, I don't think it should be like the end all be all of like, Oh, I'm definitely taking a person in this stack. like take who you like. But if you're, if you're like dead set on like trying to tie break two guys, that might be something you want to take a look at um, as well. So yeah, let's get into uh, who we like. Ed, you have some names or you want me to start? Yeah, man, I, I got, again, I got some, some faves, some mids and a couple longs. And this week, because it's sort of a big tournament, some of these odds for like top 20, top 10, top five are out. So I can actually, you know, say what they're going to be, but out of the favorites, and it is a stacked field as always. Um, I like, I don't like Rory at this number to win the tournament, but if I have to pick somebody to win the tournament, I would pick Rory McIlroy. I don't like it at nine to one. So I'm probably not going to bet that. But that's my actual pick who I think is going to win. Um, who I like in terms of betting value and who I think, you know, at that number has the best shot is I like Xander Schauffele. Uh, I see him at 25 to 1. And, you know, you know how this is going to pain me to say, but I do like Max Homa a lot. I had seen him at 22 to 1. I saw him at 28 to 1 in some spots. Um, yeah, he's just playing some really good golf. And when we're going to be focusing mostly on, you know, uh, second shot into green being the key portion of this, you know, he's pretty much at the top of the list right now, um, you know, for all of his bad humor, uh, and then sort of getting into a, a couple of a couple of the longer names. Um, I like Shane Lowry. I like Sahith Thagala, both at 50 to one, uh, to win. I also saw uh, Thagala, especially 12 to one at top five is very attractive to me on Sahith. Um, I like Billy Horschel at 65 to one. So I saw him at 65 to one on Bavada. And then 
150 to 1 on DraftKings. So if you want to bet him, go get the 150 to 1 number on that. Um, and then sort of as my long shots, I'm going back to Ryan Fox again. Not not to win, but I think uh, I will play him to be in the top 10 uh, at 12 to 1 or in the top 5 at 35 to 1 or, or both good numbers to me. And then uh, maybe my favorite of the week, I just like saying this name, um, is one of my brothers, Francisco Molinari at 130 to 1 has been regaining some form. Um, and again, if we're talking about second shots being the key here, like I like him, you know, 130 to win is probably not never going to pay out. Um, but 22 to 1 to be in the top five and 9 to 1 to be in the top 10 are, are pretty attractive to me. He, he's been coming on a little bit after a, a long stretch of, of some bad golf. So it's good to see, um, you know, my fellow Italian coming back, hopefully. Yeah, Francesca was interesting. He had such a great success over that. Well, year, that was 2019, I think, because he was in contention at that Masters, the Tiger one, right? And he was... Yeah. Uh, it's like when he hit that branch on that par five and went in the water, like he's not played a single round of good golf since then until like, like three or four weeks ago. Yeah. And then the other one, you mentioned this before as well, but Ryan Fox, I kind of wrote him off after game one. So I wasn't tracking it, but he, did he finish top point? Yeah. He did. Okay. He, did. I didn't even know he had a, a very strong Sunday, but it was a grind. I'll tell you, like I was going to go over two in a bad way to start, but he came on pretty strong. I think and he, he made the cut. How much yeah. did he make the cut by? One shot. I made it on the number plus two or no, no, sorry. He was plus one. So he's going to make it either way. Ended up moving to plus two, but he was on the plus one number, I think, after Friday. Wow. Impressive three days. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe he's getting used to it over here, but yeah, I I like that guy. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, So a couple guys I'm looking at. Yeah. Like all the guys at the top, obviously good. I thought it was interesting now that, uh, you know, having Rory and Rom now at even numbers was interesting to me, both nine to one. Um, just with like the amount of success that Ram has had and Rory, you know, obviously we know like his talent, but hasn't gotten that win. So I thought that was a little bit interesting, but um, we'll see how that plays out. Obviously I like all these guys sort of up at the top. A um, couple other guys, a little bit further down numbers. I thought were a little high. Uh, one was Sungjae, who I think is sort of trending on the upward track. I see him at 40 to one. Um, he is not quite at the, you know, level we've seen him at previously, but I think he's like starting to head, um, towards that way. So he's a guy I'm looking at. The other one is, um, Keith Mitchell. I really liked coming into this week and I thought that when I looked at his number, it would be higher than it was. So he's at 55 to one right now. Um, which I think is still too high given the level of golf that he's been playing. But um, I just thought in this field he would be a little bit higher. Um, but I really like what he's been doing lately. And then Hideki, interesting, you mentioned second shot. Like Hideki is not also on the level that we have seen him on in the past. But like at 80 to 1, the guy who has won as much as he has, I just think that that number um, is too high as well. got to be the and, neck, right? You would think I saw that number two and I thought it was crazy, but I know he's been dealing with the neck. Like that's maybe got to be a factor, but to see him below some of the names that he's below, like Sam Burns is above him. I'm looking 66 versus his 80. Sam Burns hasn't played good golf in a month. So I don't know why, why he's there. Yeah. Burned me this last week, but. And maybe, and maybe it's just a little, I'm a little biased just towards the game, but like you saw Hideki at 80 to one ever, like it would be an auto bet like back in, you know, back a couple of years ago. 
Um, okay, who else I'm looking at? A couple other guys a little bit further down the board. Just pull them up here. So one of them, uh, one of them is uh, my guy, Doc Redman. Uh, this guy, <laughs> I'm going to be honest right now, he probably will miss the cut, but he somehow – if, if he has a good week, and he's very volatile, but if he has a good week, he always seems to find himself like towards the top of the leaderboard, like somehow. So if he makes the cut and has a good stretch, I like him to maybe sort of threaten that. He's currently listed at 800 to one. Uh, oh, I see him at a thousand to one on Bavada. So yes, yeah. yeah, so search for that number, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so if you can get that number, uh, that would be good. A couple other guys I like. One of the, one of these guys I have picked in the pool, I believe, previously is uh, Nick Hardy, who I really like. He's listed at 400 to one. Uh, he's a good talent, I think, up and coming young guy. And the other one is uh, Joseph Bramlett. Um, both of these guys had a really strong showing. Um in the weaker field event, the Honda, um, where, where, you know, obviously like obviously the field was down and, and the the level was not as strong, but still to see them play like at a tough course like that and, and play well was promising to me. And I think that even though this field is much stronger this week, they have a shot to kind of um, maybe do something here. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, Kev, my, my favorite thing of the week, are you jumping on the uh, fade bandwagon this week? Cause I have, I have my fade of the week. Uh, the the odds to miss the cut are not out yet. I'll tell you. So JT last week was what twenty to one to win the tournament. He ended up being um, six and a half to one to to miss the cut last week. Obviously that didn't pan out. Um, but going by that logic, this is my pick for this week to miss the cut. Victor Hovland, and and here's why. Um, I just don't think his level of holding out is sustainable. Uh, like he hold out for Eagle. Uh, twice and made a hole in one last week. Um, and I just think with a hole with a course uh, like at the Arnold with a lot of water and with, uh, you know, a lot of sand uh, around the greens, Pete Dye course, short game also going to be pretty important, sort of where he's historically struggled. So if I'm going, you know, I'm going to get a number like six to one for him to miss the cut. Maybe some of that isn't sustainable and, and some of these mistakes will come back to bite him because he won't be, you know, gaining two strokes, uh, you know, on multiple holes every every tournament. But he's also done it in like every tournament so far. So maybe he's just on that ball striking level. But that's my pick of sort of, uh, you know, a guy that might be five, six to one to miss the cut that, that you might be able to hit for this one time. Probably. I love it. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump on with you here. Um, oh, yes. So, <laughs> on the hater train. <laughs> so um, I, I have a couple guys that I like, like mid-range, but I'm going to go a little more bold. I'm going to pick a guy like further up, almost towards the top of the board. And I so I like where you went last week with JT. I thought it was a good call, and you looked like you were going to be correct um, yeah. for a lot of that. He does what JT is. does, which is – you yeah. know, go out and shoot five under. In a I know. His game is so volatile, though, and I think that kind of lends to miscuts more often than not. Like, you, you just get yourself in too much trouble. Like, he needed that Friday round, like, in a bad way. It was tough yeah. to go out there and shoot five or six under on that course, but he obviously has the talent to do it, but he's just asking so much of himself. Um, and JT is a world-class talent who I'm never surprised when he misses the cut because he's just done it more than 
most players I can remember in recent history. So he'll be the guy I go with this week. Um, obviously, he's a former winner here, so it's gonna, <laughs> it's a bold play, but you got to be bold, you know, and then when you're right, then it pays off. So we'll see. That's right. All right. I love it. I love it. Doesn't that feel good? And it feels great when it hits, by the way. So I hope one of us, one of us gets it this week. So now I'll probably be picking him in the pool this week. That's also. right. Imagine, imagine. <laughs> some low key, low key, some low key conspiracy theories that uh, you're throwing out some purposefully false advice on the pod because you pointed it out. You have never picked a player in the pool that you have even mentioned on the pod. So that's correct. Just throwing it out there for the listeners to keep track. Um, you know, we're starting to get here where I'm down to one entry and we're down to the final 10. So I got to, you know, I got to, I got to, I got to start to see some of this. Like if you're going to give them the kiss of death on the podcast, I need to see you picking them in the pool too. That's right. Yeah. No, I, uh, that's what it is. I don't, um, it's been a lot of heavy chalk for me and, um, you know, it's not fun to talk up heavy chalk on the pod, but it's going to be the direction that I continue to go in for the pool. And hopefully we will, hopefully it pans out for me. We'll see. Yep. All right, man. That was fun. Anything else before we uh, sign off here? Nope. I think I'm all set. 